So we're hiding in the basement. How long do you think it's going to take for the kids to find us? I'm not 45 minutes, maybe. Because I'm still freaking out because it's not 11:30 at night. I know. I, I didn't we're going to wake up to do this. Do we sound pep? Do I sound peppier than I'm last alive. week? I yawned. I was editing this, and I yawned like at least twice in the beginning. So I thought maybe we could try. I did not do it at 11 o'clock. Try a daytime one. But it's, it's weird. It's all sorts of things happened to get us to this point today because kids didn't have anything after school so I could get them home and I started supper right away. I knew what I was making. Eight before six o'clock, they can play. Like, this is not our schedule every night, but I did it tonight and I am going to... Where'd you find the chicken? I didn't know we had any chicken. We, I cooked extra chicken breasts at some point. Oh, yeah, we had leftover. I would have made that last night, but I... Didn't know we had it, so. The leaves outside the window and on the ranch right now are like peak perfection. Picture time. This is the part of the podcast where I talk about the weather. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It was 44 degrees at sunrise this morning. Dear diary. Was it really 44? Yeah. It was chilly. Pink sunrise and all the colors of, like, it's the most colorful right now that it's ever going to be. It's gorgeous. Like, morning and nights are just beautiful the suns is it a thing that the sunsets and sunrises in the fall are better i think so or i like the fall best but oh but like do they is it an actual thing i don't know that they're like more colorful because it seems like i was looking back at old columns and blogs because for this week guess what i did again forgot about my column deadline for the second week in a row what is happening I think it's because of this podcast, because I like edit this, and then it's like during the same time as my new column deadline, and so it just throws me off. I think you just have a lot of stuff going on. Boy. School started, that really yeah. threw a monkey wrench into I the also world. almost forgot to pick Edie up <laughs> from oh, school geez. today. <laughs> so I have to be setting some mom reminders, because this is not acceptable. Like, I was the last one in the pickup line, but I still had to wait in line, which mm. that's a good tech tactic for moms wondering about the pickup line and how to maneuver it because I was it was obviously new to it last year. You don't have to get there 40 minutes early to just sit in line. You get there late <laughs> so that you are in the back of the line and you don't have to wait. So that's one approach. <laughs> also, you could get there and be first. Yeah, but you can Being can't, in the middle is a bummer. The only way to be first in the school pickup line is to be there 40 minutes early because these people get there early. And I That's don't, what you find out what's happening on the interwebs mm, while you're sitting there waiting. Yeah, I just, that's not the way, that's... I don't know. I always get there dead smack in the middle. Yeah. I'm, I'm like that's, right on time. That's smart. And then I'm just in you the You don't want to be wondering if your child's going to be the last one. I always also <laughs> kind of have micro panic attacks because I'm not the regular picker-upper. So oh. I'm like, okay, is it today? Is it, is it, oh, like, I know. Is it 3.15? Or is it... What, well, you know, it is like, confusing. Rosie always messed me up because that's at 11.15, but it's 11.20 and or something. I don't even know. It's just... Yeah, not regular timing on the school thing. If only they had these smart <laughs> things, like miniature computers that you carried in your pocket <laughs> that could just tell you exactly where you need to be and when. And there's an app. We've talked about this, but there's an app for everything. So the only reason I didn't forget pick up Edie. <laughs> I mean, not the only reason, but to get her on time was that her bus app 
dings me when the bus leaves the school. So then I was like, anyways, I've been left at 4-H before um, when I was her age. <laughs> and that was when 4-H was in the middle of nowhere. And so it was like, you didn't, you weren't in town. You're just like out in the country school waiting with your for each teacher, like in the dark before cell phones, hoping someone remembers you. <laughs> oh, sad story. <laughs> anyway, we, but okay. So I was digging through my past columns. What was I saying about that? Oh yeah. Yeah. Because I forgot about my column. And so this week's kind of a recycle. This column that I'm writing about that I published this week is actually in my book, Coming Home, which I published in 2017. And it's one of my favorites because it's about the old house that sat up behind my parents' house, the old bell house. Oh, yeah. And um, which we'll get to and we'll talk about. But I had kind of dig through the archives on VitaRanch.com. I started writing this blog like in 2010. So I have a lot of years of, you know, rambling, rambling and observing. And I have a couple blogs that refer to the fall sunsets as being like pretty extraordinary. So I think that it is a thing. And also some of our listeners will tell me because I got what if they, they inform me <laughs> what I say wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and what, would you what do I wrong now? Well, I remember last week we were talking about making mac and cheese and grilled cheese and making yeah, like yeah. a okay. So one of my good friends, <clears throat> Rebecca, she's like a homesteader and she listens all the time, love her. And she's a really good writer too. She I kept saying, um, oh now I can't remember the right name. Dang it, I'm gonna remember. I kept saying when you mix um flour and milk together. Oh, and we're talking about making cream yeah. peas. Okay, so I kept saying it was a slurry. Yeah, you were calling it. <laughs> I, I never heard that term. I mean, I, I've heard that term, it's but not in that not, context. So I, what is I just, a sl- what is it? Because that wasn't right. I don't know. Like it's like a mixture. Yeah. Like, well, I don't know it specifically to be anything. It is not. It's just a word I made up, but I was saying it like really confidently, and that's not. I, I went with it. You had me buckle. It's up. a root. A roux or a roll. See, same thing. I'll take your Our, word for it. I don't know what that is. So, but I was thinking I was so like, oh, I watch cooking shows and it's a slurry. It's a, it's not. I just made that word up. I'm pretty that's sure. not that British baking show or something. <laughs> Which, oh, a new season's coming up. If you just want to zen out, I love that. I like that one because it's it's wholesome and whole. like everyone is nobody's fighting at each and other they're and they're british screaming and they yeah they all talk like and they fancy. make cakes and things i've never heard of and they're just like when i was cut recovering from my surgery i could only watch that show i have I no remember <laughs> really want to watch the german cooking show oh yeah that's not that's gonna be the opposite of the great british bake there'll be no talking <laughs> and there'll be lots of potatoes and flour and maybe just Sausage. grouchy looking people <laughs> Does yeah. that mean Probab- to German? Probably a portly gentleman <laughs> with a you know red nose. Mm. Maybe. Well, I'll have to look for some German cooking shows. I don't know. We can follow Lee around and just. Yeah, your oh, that old would be roommate fun. Lee. That would be so funny. Roommate Lee gave us two big old bags of really beautiful apples from his brother's yard, because Chad took the kids across the state last weekend while I went across the state the other way or across Montana the other way 
So we had a kind of a big weekend, but you came back home with two tired kids and two big bags full of Honeycrisp apples. Yeah, they're and good. I also have a big old barrel. Well, everyone will be happy to and hear. a 100-pound propane tank. Did you see that in the garage? Yeah, where the hell did that? And why? For what? Why do we need that? I mean, need is a strong word, but Elisa that came was from Lee. Get, Elisa was going to get rid of Here it. Here we go, folks. And Lee was going to take it. I'm like, what are you going to do with a 100-pound tank? He's like, I don't know. I'm just going to take it. I'm like, can I just take it? So you... I'm going to use it for branding pots. Oh, yeah. So you don't have to do the little... I mean, we always... It's okay. never a bad thing to have. I've been actually thinking about buying one for that reason. And there you go, Chad. We got so, one for free. No, because of Elisa, and I got one garage. for free. it's in the garage. I might have to revalve it, though. Maybe somebody could chime in. Because I think, like, on the smaller tanks, you have to have this certain kind of valve after a certain year they switch. Oh. It's like a safety valve So thing. you don't blow everything up. But I don't know if 100-pound tanks are the same. Like You're, I'm on falling asleep. ones are. <sighs> I'm asking questions to people that oh. are listening that might know. I know you don't care. You just think that the propane magically is there, and when we need it, In my fire. life, yes. it is. <laughs> that is not... I'm no dummy. When I married you, I knew I was getting things like that that would be taken care of. Anyway, super handy. Dummy. You used to fill propane tanks professionally in college. I did? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I so was you. the only bribe I've ever taken in my life. Do you want, have you ever heard that story? No. You worked at, was it Senex? Yeah. In Grand Forks? Yep. Okay. I watched a couple of videos, so I got propane tank fill certified. Okay. And I was there alone working the till, and somebody came in, and we always have, when you fill tanks, you can only have, you have to have two people, so. Mm. In case one blows up? <laughs> no, so someone can watch the till while you go and fill the tank. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> You meant you had to like both no, two go people out at the there. Store, but I oh. was at the store by myself, okay. and this guy came in with a camping emergency. Oh, and he's like, Please, I'm like, I can't do that. And he's like, There's nobody here. Oh, and I'm like, ah, I don't know, we're really not supposed to. And he gave me five dollars. I was like, All right, let's he do gave it. you, he slipped you a five, slipped me a five. <laughs> so the price of my soul was five dollars. <laughs> The price of that job. You also remember this, Th- that, that was, was an entire hour's worth of work at the store. Oh my God, we're so old. That's true. It was probably five fifteen an hour. Yeah, I think I got paid six dollars an hour there. Oh, five seventy five or six dollars. the olden days. Yep. So you had a nice trip to Fargo. Yeah, we had a great time. We went down to Lee's on Friday night, so we broke it up. So I took the girls to Lee's house and my friend, um, and he's got two little kids that are roughly the same age as our kids. So we went down there and hung out, had supper, and kids played until they crashed, basically, and then we got up, and then we were all able to ride in one car from Bismarck to Fargo. But, so they went six hours east to Fargo, and then, because we're right on the edge of the, um, of North Dakota, on the west side, and Fargo's right on the edge, the east side, for anyone who doesn't know the geography. (laughs) But I got to go to Red Lodge to sing at Jimmy's Roadhouse, out in uh, like a cool little radio station, listening radio, room yeah. kind of thing. That was sold out. I took my parents and Mike, my Dobro guitar player. And um, yeah, and then on Saturday, we played a music festival in Livingston. And we drove from Red Lodge to Livingston, so we missed like some really pretty, that? pretty country. Is this two hours? But it was like kind of winding roads to meet up with the interstate, and it was in the dark. So we didn't get to see like the mountains while we were driving there. But Livingston mm. is 
gorgeous. You're right on the edge of, you know, these beautiful mountains. And it was a beautiful day. New, fe- new music festival. So they were just, it was in a cow pasture owned by this uh, couple of brothers. And they just wanted to do something good for the community. And so they hired a bunch of musicians, put in a nice stage. and Did they bring in like one of those big stages? Mm-hmm. Then did they just run everything on a generator? Yeah. Did they have oh, power? Pretty quiet. Yeah, a generator. Like one of those big generator box trailer thingies that we use yeah and then what I liked about it is they had it was very family oriented so this was a Yellowstone Harvest Festival for anyone who's interested in looking it up and supporting them because I hope they do it another year I love the idea of mixing like education and fun and agriculture and connecting it to music it all just lines up for me and the amount of times I've spent playing in a cow pasture or a cow pen this last couple weeks, I could like, it's apparently where I'm made to perform. <laughs> hey, that's what I do professionally also. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you smile for my camera. I play in cow pastures and cow pens. <laughs> oh, you play. Oh, yeah. And then I take pictures I mean, we of call you. It, we call it work. But... <laughs> but it was really sweet. And, um... Yeah, and then it was a Fast and Furious trip because we got home then late on Saturday. It was like a seven-hour drive because we had to go through Dickinson and drop Mike off. And then I had Sunday here all to myself, which is weird to be me and be at home while your dad was here hunting, but to be by myself. But I was so tired, I like didn't feel like mopping the floor. <laughs> so. It's weird. Occasionally, I have been here by myself. It's strange. Yeah, it's, it's weird. It never used to be, but... Now it is. It's like, like one like of my what to do with myself. favorite things is to spend a little time alone. Like that's when I write and that's when I like come up with new ideas. You don't go in the driveway and shoot bows? That's what I do. Well, that would be fun too, but I we've already discussed how I can't draw a bow back. <laughs> so, But we had a great morning this morning. So I ditched out on work in town and we moved cows from pasture to cover crop. And it was cold kind of but sunny and beautiful and well, it was like you perfect and me and dad and alex all took the horses out and moved them and they kind of got the cover crop um are in our one of our pastures that our neighbor puts in for us the is it the sedan grass or is it did he plant some corn too What's that no, really that, high, it's sedan grass. grass. It looks kind of like corn. Yeah, but I couldn't... I knew we were going through the sedan grass today, but with the stuff we were driving by, I couldn't remember. It is like 10 feet tall. And yeah, so... Your, your dad was sitting on a horse, and it was taller, over his than, head. taller than his head. Well, and it's kind of weird because the cows are like waiting. They were like waiting for us. Because they got out like a week ago. They got out and got into it. And yeah. We, we caught them and got them out of there fairly quickly, but then they got a taste for it, and then they're just like... You can't put cattle out on that stuff before it freezes because it's too... It's like potent. It's too much nitrate. So I will tell you it froze, so you don't have to hear any more about my tomatoes because that's over. It's over. I, there's just, some... <laughs> I just leaned back. I can see a giant... Well, there's a whole a giant, giant bucket, tomato right there. huge bucket in the entryway, but I am done with them, picking them. But so the cows, they were like primed and ready. Like we barely had to even try to round them up. Open the gate and outside of the gate is a cover crop they're not ready for. And they just barrel, they were like running, high, high speed running. Oh yeah, like buck jump running. <laughs> and then they just barreled through this brush patch that we weren't planning on barreling them through to the other side, to the 
tall, tall cover crop. And then it was like trying to get them out of there and you couldn't even see them. So I have a reel on my Instagram. You can kind of see what that looked like. Cause yeah, they are just like, I'm riding through it and it's like hitting me in the face. It was crazy. Yeah. That's why we had seven dogs. We did. How many dogs did we, for sure. We had five. All three of dad's dogs and two. And then guess where I had to sit? Guess where I rank with dad's dogs? This is the second time this happened to me in the last couple weeks. So he has three dogs. He has an old, old dog, Juno. She's the mama dog. And then her pup is Waylon. He's a pup of our cow dog, Gus, and Juno. And he's kind of like a dopey little dog. He had like a brain injury or something happened to him. He's like the greatest dog ever. He's the sweetest dog. He's just kind of a little slow. Yeah, and he always kind of like turns he'll sit in they live in the side by side waiting for dad yeah. and all three of them he, and they have yeah, the he really is like the greatest companion and they're all really good cow dogs and then we have a border collie cross in the hanging tree anyway dad was taking me home in the side by side or giving me a ride somewhere last week and waylon was in there i think it was just waylon and juno it was two of his three dogs and Waylon wouldn't move over for me. No, he, yeah, he doesn't. And dad's like, eh, whatever. She didn't even try to help move him, didn't nope. try to get him out, didn't put him in the back. It's like, this is Waylon's seat. So guess how I was sitting in there? Like uh, one on the front cheek, edge. <laughs> one cheek on the seat, basically one leg out the door. <laughs> That's funny. And then Waylon knows this. So he just turns his head over to dad and just looks at him and pretends like I don't exist. I, when, I, when I do it, I just push him. Well, he's big, too. I know. He's like, big. I just push him, and he's like, what are you doing? Like, he doesn't... He's not moving, and also, Dad was not and moving. And then our dogs were in the back. So then, they're today... Box train. Well, I don't know. Don't comment if you don't like dogs that ride and pick up boxes, but they well, ride they're, and pick they're up fine. boxes. It's all fine. It's They're athletic, and... But, so all his dogs today, we were had to take the trailer over to ride, and... I was grouchy, kind of, because Rosie had a bad morning, but like nothing peps you up knowing that then you know that you get to ride. But Dad's in the front seat, Alex is in the pa- or driving, Alex is in the passenger seat. So I get in the back, and it's like a half door because it's an old pickup, and I'm in the back with all the back seat with back all the docks. They're not in the back. They're not in the box. And they, no, don't, they don't ride in the box. They don't smell good. These no. are not uh-uh. town dogs. My jeans were clean before Juno was just rolling in a, a slough somewhere in a slurry. Thing she could find <laughs> in a slurry. That's what. And dad's like, oh, it's fine. like they're all over. Me. And I'm in the back. Like that's where I rank. And then his puppy's like up there basically driving with him. Anyway, I'm like, what are we going to do with all five of these dogs? But we needed them kind of. I don't know. They only screwed up one thing, but mostly that's because I wasn't paying attention when that calf was coming. Oh, that wasn't. And I didn't call him off. As far as dog screw-ups, that was not a dog screw-up. No, yeah, that's true. Got the calf in. Well, they're just so happy to be working. They just love it. That's what they're made for, to kick them out of that tall stuff and kick them out of the brush. And so they did wind up going to a new spot, and they're going to be getting fat and it's just a fun time of year then your dad called me a couple hours ago and said (laughs) oh there's five cows or five calves and two cows that just came out of somewhere so we got to do it all over again this afternoon and they went the right direction the cows did what we wanted them to do this morning and we just kind of leisurely walked them over and it was you all it was actually very pleasant you all missed my heroic save because no one was watching 
I always like it. I don't know. It. Every time I look back at you and Alex, nobody's moving real fast <laughs> in any direction. This time I did. There was one cow that was literally just cut off. You know how they do, and then they see something, and they're just going. Yeah, they're going to break away and do their and own he, thing. And she was cooking. And, you know, Gizmo doesn't really like to kick it up. But yeah, he's not... It's not a sprinter. But we were riding like the wind. You should have seen it. I should have. Also, when you're riding like that across that rugged stuff, because my horse is kind of trippy, do you think like I'm going to, was this just me in my doomsday mind? Like at any moment he's going to trip. And... Almost every second okay. of every moment. So I'm, I'm you, convinced I'm, I'm like, just going for a barrel roll. Okay. I just wondered if I was just a chicken because... I'm like, so, so some of that stuff, like today, like I kind of know I've been around enough to know where, where you really need to be careful and where you don't. But the so ground like, is crazy. It's not. So the places that I was running on today was all stuff that I hayed oh, or had been haying yeah. on. So I but know those then, fields. You could hit a hole. I mean, you anything could, well, can I mean, always when happen. When you're going, mm -hmm. that's a. It's a very yeah. real possibility. And it's just so they not flat, so give not... Give the horse their head and let them and they, Yeah, them I mean, they know how to do it, but I always have, like, the worst-case scenario in my head. It's like, then you have to weigh, like, the consequences. Like, if I don't kick him up to get these to this pair, am I, like... How do I explain that? Like, you have a split second to decide if you're going to give it everything or give up. Right. And you have to do one or the other. Or you look like a dumbass. <laughs> so you're like, whoo, never mind. Anyways, <laughs> I I did it. I got that. So there, I was worth something. I had to mention that because I had some times where I wasn't paying helpful. attention. <laughs> I know. Like Alex always thinks that she's not helpful either, but it is helpful. Yeah. It's very helpful well, it's to have fun. more horses than not. And then we... When everything takes off and it's all crazy like what happened, there's not really... No. And then the thing that I've learned, and we've just, said that about, you know, how I learned, even though I knew they maybe weren't going the right direction, I think that's where we got screwed up, you and I. I kind of let them, was like, well, I know the gate's around this hill, so I guess they're going around the hill, so I guess we'll push them around. And then you were, I thought you were trying to push them back the opposite way, and then I was confused. But just oh, letting right, them the kind end. of go where they want to go no, and correct yeah, I, them. We were, yeah, we were on the same page as far as letting them go around the hill. But I didn't want them in the cover crop. Oh. So I was trying to get them out of the cover crop. They, as long as they went any way towards the east, oh. would have been fine. But I just didn't want them in the cover crop mm -hmm. and lose them again. Yeah. Well, they were mad for it. But we were over in... But nobody was yelling. Well, no, sometimes... I, did, did you hear anything? me say, what direction? No. Oh, that's why you didn't answer me? And then Alex did, asked you, what direction? And you just pointed... Like with your arm. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm not, well, because also I get worried about like you're yelling at the cows and you're trying to do a thing, and then like I don't want to yell at people because that if it's well, yeah, which I, mean, I appreciate. It just is not to me, it's not worth it. Like, but it's some direction devolved to a past the point of the plan working, so there's no point in yelling at people, right? But and you at can that yell point, direction. I didn't even really know, so I just kind of pointed vaguely east because <sighs> okay. It's kind of what we right. wanted to do. Okay. And then want her to feel bad and then not coming up next time. Oh, you're so sensitive to her. That's nice. Are you that sensitive to me? <laughs> I didn't yell at you either. I needed you too. <laughs> Anyways. Um, but we were over by this place that we love that my uncle owns now, but I call it the Alton Place. And that kind of brings me to this columns, this week's column, which is about old houses. And I've kind of been on this topic uh, a little bit 
because uh, I've been working, I have this kind of interesting experience in the last couple of weeks. There's a songwriter who's come through. He's a national songwriter. He's based, he's been down there, I guess, and has worked down there. But he's kind of in the second part of his life and has done some other things. But he's taking this trip across Hey, the I'm country. in the second part of my life, too. <laughs> he's further in the second part. <laughs> um, really cool guy. He reached out to me and said, I'm going across the country. Um, I am wanting to write some songs about harvest. I want to do kind of a collection of songs and I want to work with different artists in each area and wonder if you would sing the song that I wrote, you know, during this trip. And so he's learning about the Midwest or the West as he goes across the country and something about it just kind of spoke to me and I got him on the phone and he's a really cool guy. Um, so we met up and he wrote a song for me to play I'll probably put it on my on our Instagram and things and I don't know what he's going to do with it and if I want it I can record it but his perspective always talking to someone who wants to learn about rural America is something that I find really important to like cultivate if you get a chance and telling these stories you know through song and then using um, local musicians is just like what a cool project but he and I were talking about what it looks like to come across North Dakota to someone new. And he came from east to west, and all of these old houses really, of course, caught his eye. And that's something about, well, middle America, too, in general, but our structures are not that old. They're 110, 112 years old. And they're made of wood and rock and stone and not even really brick, these old homestead houses. And he was talking about, you know, what people might live there and I was talking about what it looks like even sometimes you can just tell where homestead was based on what trees are planted around it like there's relics yeah, in the buildings yeah. but sometimes it's just a foundation and like lilac bushes and maybe some cottonwood trees and some remnants of trees that didn't make it and it kind of occurred to me because I grew up around these old houses but you know they're 20 30 years younger than that's these houses if they're not being saved are crashing into back into the earth now. They don't yeah. they don't stay forever. And he's from, you know, the East Coast more or has ties there and that history on the East Coast is completely older, completely different. Um, but you know, the settlers that came here, sod houses, wood houses, stone houses, like tar shack sheds, that's what Grandpa Eddie homesteaded in is a basically a tar shack. That's not standing. Even the way our towns are built. Um, well, there's not much for rock, so there's not yeah. brick houses or no. stone. Like There's stone foundations. Stone foundations. We have a stone foundation barn. There is a stone house up on the, towards Charleston, kind of in our neighborhood, that they, that our heritage park, had that lived there until about five years ago, and our heritage park disassembled rock by rock and put back together. I think that's cool that somebody does that. I know. I would, that's a nightmare But that's job. what you have to do to save this kind of, otherwise it's a it's big not, pile a of rock. I know, it's a good thing that's not up to not, me. You know, well, it seems like maybe when you get older into more into your second part of your life, into your fourth part of your life, you might get into that sort of thing. Picking rocks? <laughs> no, I, like restoring, because you're kind of, you kind of oh, like. If they're, if they're to the point, if it's a savable house, I love that. Yeah. Like old houses, like if you can go in and kind of fix it up and save it and salvage but just to keep it so that it's a move it to a museum. Well, yeah. 
Yeah. But there's unless but something drastic. God happens, bless that's the people who do it. Oh, absolutely, because, because that, that's, that's how you keep that. You stuff. keep it. But I mean, we even have the the coolest thing on this place, and I think I've talked about it before, is the teepee rings that are just a mile on the top of the hill outside of our house. That that's the only thing. Those types of things are some of the only things left that remind us of that Native American history that came before us on the property that we're now sometimes even feel like yeah we own it but like that we're stewards of now and i say this all the time when you live on an old place especially when a childhood place all of these memories you have attached to it but then there's all this history and sometimes those memories aren't your own memories there to me it really hits home that like you just said we really are just stewards we're Mm -hmm. a you know a drop in a bucket we're just here for the little bit that we're here but this was here thousands of years yep. before us and the it's going to be here thousands of years after us and how they lived you know it's so dramatic when we talk about that with homesteaders but how the native americans lived in this harsh landscape how much we could have and should have and did in a way learn from them but it got me thinking about this column that i wrote about the old house that sat behind my parents house where i grew up and it's a place that my dad bought um from uh so it wasn't part of our original like Vita Ranch. He bought it as he and mom bought it uh, adjacent to the place. And so he knew the couple that lived in that old house when he was a little boy and they were older. Uh, had She had a beautiful garden, lilac bushes, trees. Yeah, and your dad's talking about how she was a um, really good baker. I don't know what it's called, but she would like trance, like you, where you can cut a tree and then put a branch, like oh. an apple tree branch into it, like splicing. Oh, Rebecca or something. is going to have to tell us. Yeah. yeah I don't know mm-hmm. the ins and outs of it, but she was really good at that. Like where you would crossbreed species, kind of. Yeah, you like mm-hmm. put an apple tree branch into a whatever mm-hmm. tree that, whatever She's matches. She's a really it, good horticulturalist. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that that apple tree actually is still back there. Oh, it? yeah. She has some beautiful things that are still back there. But when I was a kid, uh, the house still stood and then it's basically she had an orchard a huge garden area so mom and dad's house was built below this little ridge and then their house was above it and um she had a huge garden and so it was all cleared throughout that tree area apple trees um lilac bushes different varieties of apple trees and then a big cleared out where her garden was and then but everything in the house was still there like it looked like they just picked up and left. And I think it's because they don't they didn't have anyone when they moved to town or whatever that really took the task on. I'm not really sure. And um so as a kid that was so fascinating. And you know, I didn't really realize, of course, cuz when your timeline when you're a kid is like time doesn't isn't make sense. So I didn't realize back then that my dad would have known that couple as a kid. Um, so then it was even more mysterious to me that you would go in this house on the property. We owned it. So it was like a legal thing that we did. But grandma took us in there once when I was like seven years old and took some dresses out of, there were dresses hanging in the closet. There was coats hanging in the closet. There was, um, canned goods in the cellar. She had a beautiful, like great cellar and a basement and a root cellar dug into the, like the side hill just surrounded by all of these beautiful oak trees and ash trees that we have on the place. And it was like, oh, I could make up stories about what the deal was, right? 
and I just was fascinated by it because what kid isn't and really what person isn't like if you're just going to really be admitted like to go into someone's place like that in a life that you know nothing about and like see what they left behind was like so mysterious well I mean we used to do that in like in my grandma's basement or her sure. garage or whatever. You're like, and she lived there. It was right. still hers, but like it was the same. Like the th- what of- was left over, what they saved, what they and there's there are papers and magazines and newspapers, and you think you're always going to run into something that's so you know scandalous or precious or whatever. But I remember going in there with grandma and getting these black and white dresses. Two things. <laughs> <laughs> one the bats right and grandma did oh, not love bats they, well, and we were little kids does, does anybody love bats <laughs> and so we went in there and you're like spooked anyway right and you just feel like even though you're not trespassing you are trespassing and you feel like it I mean and she grabbed those those dresses and then we were kind of walking out and I'm sure she's like come on kids and she maybe walked out the front door I can't remember exactly and the bats flew out <laughs> And everyone screaming, like running to the car, like, it's haunted, like as little kids. And then it, we took those dresses home, and it was during the 90s where um, the Whoopi Goldberg nun show was really, movie was oh, really. Oh, Sister Act. Sister Act. So what did we do? We got in those dresses and did a play, a Sister Act play. We dressed did they look like nun A dresses? bunch of Lutheran girls and one boy. Who was the priest? My cousin Seth had one of Grandpa's sparkly. I don't. Grandpa had a sparkly shirt that he had to wear as polyester. He was the priest, and we were all a bunch of Lutheran kids dressed as nuns with like t-shirts over our head, <laughs> toilet paper. Lutheran kids, Catholic kids <laughs> wouldn't do that. Yeah, is that like a? Oh. I don't know. We knew nothing I mean, about not nuns. Like, I, I mean, I don't know if it's bad. Like, <laughs> I don't actually don't personally. I didn't have any nuns. experience with nuns. My mom went to Catholic school. Sure. I think she's not a fan. <laughs> they were. Well, they, that was back in the day when yeah. they, when like beat them with rulers. Yeah. And, like she. She. I think she has memories. Well, we knew nothing about nuns except for Whoopi. So our we dressed up as nuns and did some singing. Yeah, I can <laughs> so about imagine a musical in Grandma's little house. <laughs> but so I'll give away kind of the punchline to the the column then. But there was like I said, so many things. I would go up there as a kid by myself, and I remember I picked a little Roy Rogers page out of a um, out of a magazine, and Dad had that framed on his wall. It was just like the longer it sat there, the more things deteriorate and um, just the more mysterious it all got. But one of the times when we were with grandma or maybe just my cousins, we went in there and now this is where your stories like evolve over the, over the years. And I really wonder if this even happened, but I confirmed it with my cousins. We found dentures in a jar. I'm sure. Dentures Mm -hmm. in a jar. Can you imagine what that was like, no wonder it's like imprinted in my soul. You're in that old house and you've been there before. And then all of a sudden we think dentures in a jar just appear. We hadn't noticed them before. Some gummer ghost is out there. What ever <laughs> freaked us out. Um, and that was the house that 
st but stayed back there until it kind of was not structurally sound and not safe anymore. And then it wound up when I was like 12, we had to burn it down and now it's just a foundation. But those relics are all across this landscape. And it occurred to me talking to my friend Chuck, who's a songwriter, like I said before, like if we're not saving them, they're going back to the earth. And, and that's okay maybe, but there is something so whimsical and nostalgic and mysterious about driving across the prairie, especially someone like him who hasn't been here before and seeing these past lives, sort of relics of past lives kind of dot the landscape. And it used to be more, I don't know, it ha held a different weight for me when I was younger, when I just thought there was a kind of a great emptying out of our communities, but now it speaks a little differently to me. But, um, but there are yeah. a lot of places up and down the whole bread basket right. that that... Well, the towns look like that. That's what it mm -hmm. is. Like, they're just... I mean, there are... Well, you know, Montana, I, California, I'm sure is the same. But from the gold rush and mm -hmm. stuff, there's... Mining towns. Ghost and, towns. Mm -hmm. Like, the whole town, everyone just left. So mm -hmm. every building in the whole town looks like Abandoned. that. Abandoned. Yeah. And they just left stuff. They just yeah. left it. And that is true. They're... That's Those still happening creepy. in modern times too, where there's abandoned buildings or um, structures that just you can't pay or whatever happens and you just vanish. Um, and that just has a different kind of sentiment. It evokes, for, especially for writers, just a sort of like, okay, a whimsy about it. So that's what the column is about. There was a really cool structure on the Alton place, which is the place that we were riding by in today. And I might've talked about this on the podcast before, but my, our, my uncle Wade, dad's brother owns that place now, but my dad used to take care of the place when it was owned by the other family and the woman, the older, old woman dad took care of. And, um, she had built all of these outbuildings herself and mm -hmm. a swing set and on her place, um, was the original homestead log cabin and it was on the place when I was a kid and so I would go over there with him and we ran cows over there and it was like the coolest place and it was only it's only what like a mile and a half from our yeah, place yeah um so when I got to go to that place the old feels place, like it's really far but right for me and then it was up against like the creek and the creek bank and beautiful cottonwood really, trees like, one of the prettiest places like, gorgeous it's just really a nice place and then she had like real swing set that was like, and, like dug those into giant the ground cottonwoods, and we yeah. don't have cottonwoods here no like, she there planted are in some those parts of the state but we those don't, were planted we don't have them. and she built all of these outbuildings and they all match that was not a world i lived in really and she had white buildings with green trim that matched her house and dad said she did that herself and I just didn't I knew Mildred um a little tiny bit but I my memory of her is very like faint and now I don't even know if I really did I'm sure I met her but I um could go in that little log cabin and it was just right there and you like the square footage would have been like and you're better with square footage than I am but like not even half of this room like from the door to us it was tiny yeah. so like how much is that like I don't know, 300 300 square feet <laughs> just, 400 maybe yeah with a bunk and so they moved that to the heritage park as well um but what people lived in 
to get by, to move on to the next thing is so fascinated, fascinating no, that to That one me. might not even be that big. That was, that was pretty And small. it was really low. And the fact that it was a log cabin is pretty unique because there wasn't even a lot of log cabins because there was no trees. We don't have log trees. We don't have logs. logs. So like tar paper shacks and some probably some sod situations in homesteading days until they could build like um, stick homes or whatever. And that was... Well, I think that's kind of the crux of some of my storytelling kind of passion to uh, for history too, because it's just so fascinating. That's kind of what I wanted to talk. What I talked about in the column this week is is what haunts us, you know, and what haunting because it's the spooky season. It's almost October. It's fall. Uh, no, I'm digging my heels on the spooky season. It's September. <laughs> it's elk season. Okay, but it's not October yet. Okay. Well, I'm just saying, like, we're turning into this... I know people are trying to push it, but... Well, okay, I'm not, like, the pumpkin spice latte chick here. Hey, but I look... like pumpkin spice lattes. <laughs> just leave those alone. They go good with my Ugg boots, my leggings. <laughs> you look really cute in your long sweater and scarf. Um, mm. But, you know, the colors are changing or moving into that, that shift over into winter, and there's something about that. Uh, but this kind of idea that you're living in these places that other people and in a community in a town, it doesn't, it evolves and it changes. It grows, grows along with the town. And so I don't know. I mean, there's old abandoned buildings in big cities too. Don't get me wrong, but the idea that you're surrounded by all of this sky and all of this landscape. And then I've said this before in talking about my homesteading great grandmother who came over and she was 16 and had 12 kids. Like, when you stop and think about what they all went through to exist here so that we can exist here in a house that has like central air, central heat, uh, to deep freeze, two fridges. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, and like, it's still we sort of town at least once a day, you know, yeah. like they didn't go to town for months. I know. And like how community changed. And we talked about that with the barn dance and things. So, but the haunting part, like I sometimes out here and I'm not trying to sound any way, but if you get feelings like someone's oh, yeah. been here before or there's something more here or, you know, if you're paying attention and you're out there, um, there's just little wisps and feelings I've gotten before in certain places where it feels a little bit more magical or a little bit more inhabited and, I feel that way more in the season change into winter, I think, because stuff quiets down. Nothing's really growing. Everything's settling in. There's a spot um, in that beautiful spring behind Dad's house that we all, that runs like that nice water. There used to be a homestead house there. Every time I walk through there and you walk up the creek, it's between the two places, I get a feeling of like something is... I don't know. It's not a scary, spooky, scary feeling, but I, it... I get that feeling of, like, you're with those old homesteads and old places that are tumbled down. I mean, those people just worked so mm -hmm. hard, and also they were coming from some... This was... That was the American dream, right? Mm -hmm. They were going... The frontier. And whether it worked or didn't work, or however it got to be this old shambles of a place, you know, mm -hmm. like, throughout the years, somehow it all became what it is now, but you think... Like you're just walking through somebody's dream like that that homestead oh, behind yeah. your dad's. Like mm -hmm. they got there and they had to have been so excited and mm -hmm. so like, you know, we got this place. We got our own land. Mm -hmm. We can do, you know, because wherever they came from or whatever their story was mm -hmm. before, it most likely wasn't very good because to make it out here, you had to be 
That's area. more the feelings I have. Like you walk through that mm-hmm. just. Well, you said it really nice, like somebody's dream. And then the fact that I think that it, there's no structure there anymore, but you know there's something that used to be there. And then what happened to make it not work out, you know, is also, you know, I feel that way, of course, standing up on those teepee rings, like this history that you just desperately don't want to be erased, but we move on, we move forward, we make stupid decisions, we screw things up, we're human and that's human beings. But the land stands and it's scarred up from what whoever was there too, you know? But also, you know, kind of go back to it, it, it is and it isn't because- Or made better. The or, earth takes it back. Like, well, that's true. Yeah. Like, you know, you're just, you said that earlier, the, it all just kind of- No, you're right, it takes it back. like. Once you once you leave it be, <laughs> it will. Well, I mean, in we a have sense. we have nothing in modern society anywhere in the world that's like the pyramids, mm-hmm. where they were, you know, five thousand years ago they were ancient, right? And they're still there. Mm-hmm. Nothing we have currently. If everyone just stopped caring for it. Mm-hmm. The earth would take it back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a couple hundred that, years, it would all be gone. It's so humbling. I think that's maybe what I'm, what you feel. I yeah. think that's nature, in a sense, or being on a ranch and being in these storms and in this big um, countryside. It's so humbling. It reminds you that all the things that you're doing right now, you have 80 years, maybe you have 100 years, maybe you have 60 years, but this is it. You're like a blip, and what you do here, it definitely it matters, but then it moves on, and time takes it, and the earth revolves, and you could potentially just... Which is part of what's so special about like this place is because that happens, but you know, like your family has, you just has managed mm-hmm. to hang on for over a hundred years mm-hmm. now where it's just passed down. And so then it, then it becomes less of a blip. Sure. Because it, now it echoes for a century yeah. instead of. And even the century, you know, in the well, whole but, grand scheme of things, but you're right. And there's also that it's just like, this is such a young, um, in terms of like homesteaded, you know, community that we built, but that is such a, I think that's what the sentiment is, is, also a little bit of like, why did, why did our family make it and that family didn't make it and what happened there? And I think that's what I felt like on the Bell Place when I was a little kid that's too. The part of, that's the part of history that... Like those little I, stories. I'm interested yeah. more in... You always read about the Big one-off grand, wild yeah. successes and mm-hmm. the, you know, the kind of Teddy Roosevelt type of things, but I you don't get a lot of... Agree. The why it didn't work. And mm-hmm. I'd be more interested in some of those Or things. just like, and we've, you kind of make fun of me because you think I read all these like boring books. Because well, <laughs> they're not story. like, fan, whatever, fantasy and dragons and whatever. But that's the stuff that I read about. But typically, don't those, those like, are like they've human... worked out. You know, like they're no, not, not always. up and. Well, that's why you make fun of me because they're like depressing books. But they're like, a snapshot of a life on the prairie or in a community where it didn't all work out and it was a struggle and the human condition, how they persevered or didn't persevere, what they screwed up. And I do, I've always had that fascination with the great depression era and how people survived that. And our, my ancestors survived that to hang on to this. 
And it's so <clears throat> it's so interesting because it's so dramatic and it's not only that, like semi prospered. You know, sure, like, I, I mean, guess. I mean, well, I think you either prospered at that time. The, like a little bit, I know. It's like you either prospered, and prospered is like like you hung relative, on. relative. Mm-hmm. But you either prospered or you didn't make it. Mm-hmm. Like there's there was no in between at that time. Well, and I think the some of the stories, and I should talk to Dad about this if I could ever get him to uh, not ignore my texts about being on the podcast. <laughs> but talk to him a little bit about his grandpa, our great my great grandpa Eddie, and how he was a helper in that, those situations. How he would kind of be a community man that saw a need, maybe fronted some money, maybe took up the... I would have loved the... to have met him. He just seems like the stuff I've heard about him was so unbelievably hardworking and smart. Smart, yeah. Like he just... And he just made it work. A community work. person. Always made it work. Like he... The stories that I've heard of him, he was like a mediator, sort of. So he could come into a tough situation, even if, like, even a domestic situation and calm the storms. And then also see that, okay, someone's in need here. I'm going to quietly, and maybe he would just cringe if he were alive hearing us talk about it. You know, that sort of thing. Like, mm-hmm. oh, whatever. Like, I do that. But that came through and down through my grandparents and into my well, dad. Your dad's like yeah. that. Maybe and my like uncle that. Wade like and my aunt Carrie. Yeah, but it's funny how you just see it or how that where that started. But to think about what he did as a teenager who he helped homestead his parents' place. So he's so he homesteaded I mean, with his dad and his family as a kid a couple five, ten miles in this community, still in this township. And then homesteaded the Veter place when he was a teenager, went to war. And helped his brother homestead. And helped his brother homestead. Went to war, came back, got married, and started a custom combine business. And then I think was able to, and that would have been through the 20s and 30s, and was able to buy up some property from homesteaders that didn't, couldn't make it. And that was such a true testament to what this landscape was like you couldn't farm this this isn't farmable property no people try and it's and he was combining and even dad and well we are talking about just different ways to manage the land but they had more farmland when he was growing up and none of this should ever been turned over and they were learning that and that's why things weren't working but he was buying up little places or helping neighbors here and there and then that's how this little place was built but oh i would have loved to have met him dad remembers him um and then he raised his kids his he lost his wife when she was only 35 yeah and, and so he raised his all kids all four of his kids you know alone and then i found out later um from my aunt or someone just kind of poking around because my because he was they were neighbors, my grandma Edie and Grandpa Pete. So Grandpa Pete was my dad's dad, son of Eddie, who we were talking about. And down the road, Grandma Linseth, Grandma Gudrun, and Severin, they were raising their 12 kids. So they were neighbors, but completely different, you know, lot of people. Well, this one a couple of the sisters from the Linseth family came over and helped nanny and helped do work for Grandpa Eddie with his kids when his oh, for his kids yeah. when his um, wife died. Did that all make sense to you? Yeah, okay, so. yeah, <laughs> it's only, hard to they're explain. They're like three miles to the north of us. Right. So my grandparents were farther apart in are, age. Are Shane and Brenda on the homestead? Yes. So that homestead, Linseth homestead, still in the Linseth family. 
and the Veter homestead's still in the Veter family, and we're still neighbors to each other in that respect, like three miles away neighbors. But um, Grandma Edie uh, was a, quite a bit younger than Grandpa Pete, and they started dating later, like when Grandma was in college. And then speaking about ghost towns and, and ghost kind of structures and things, their first date was at the Sanish Rodeo, which oh, you know yeah. about Sanish is the, not a town at anymore. The of the lake. When they flooded the little Missouri River to regulate water downriver. But it's a tragic story <clears throat> because it flooded all this tribal land and Sanish had this huge rodeo. That's where my grandparents met. And it displaced tribes and it, disp it displaced families and homes and created a giant lake over some rich pasture land. That's where um, my grandma's boyfriend is from. Sanish? Mm -hmm. Really? Yeah. And there, there's some footage of the Sanish rodeo that they do have at the Cal North Dakota Cowboy Hall of Fame. But that whole, like a whole town underwater. Can you imagine? But we could wax on, wax, is that a word? Wax on and on, wax and wane on and on. <laughs> sure. Wax nostalgic. So I, but I was going to ask you to tell some spooky stories, but you won't, you wouldn't do it. But you well, remember, I, I was going to ask you if you remember one of our first, our like first date ever. Because I know you don't want to engage. <laughs> we went to Bonanza and I got fried shrimp and you thought that was so weird. Well, no weird. one's ever ordered, but that wasn't our first date. We went yes, to was. the haunted house, and that's when you were too nervous oh, to ask that's me. When we, that's when the official started dating. You, we went to the haunted house at the Legion Club, and we were like in ninth or eighth grade. Eighth grade? I forgot about that. And hmm. went with our friends, and then I, um, then they like left us alone on purpose in my friend's house so that you could ask me out, but you were too scared. But remember we were playing that fishing game. Remember those real, it was like a fishing reel yeah. video game. It's and part I was of the reason playing, why my nose is so big. And then we were like sitting close together. And then I, this is foreshadowing. <laughs> when you had a fish on in quotations, you had to yank the reel up and I smoked you in the face. <laughs> That was our first date, and it hurt real bad. I smoked you hard. I was serious about the fishy game. And then you never asked me out. I just said, do you remember this? I remember exactly what you said. What I guess it? we can tell people we're going out. Oh, I said that? And I that? was like, okay. That's, that's exactly what you said. That's like what I said when you asked me to marry you. I said, I guess so. Yep. <laughs> yep, that's how it went. Anyway, so connect... Because I know you don't want to admit that it's the spooky season. Oh, I just thought of a spooky story. Um, remember when we went to the north unit of the park? Yes. So I don't know what that was, but we were 16, we were in, 15, I 17. I think we were old. I think we were in college. Maybe. I don't know. It's, when we you went, get to 40, you don't remember <laughs> time the same anymore. We went out to the north unit of the Theodore Roosevelt National Park, uh, which is just 15 miles south of Watford City, our hometown. Okay. And we used to like, in high school and stuff, we used to go there a lot. Like we'd go climb the hills and do like everybody. That was just kind of a thing that we did. We all had season tickets or whatever and we went there quite a bit. But yeah, so we must have been in college and we went there yeah. and we went to the Overlook thing. There's mm -hmm. a cool building deal that overlooks the river. and that, that was built during the Depression to give people work. Yeah. Did you know that? The core. I guess. Okay. I guess I didn't. Okay. Anyway. 
<laughs> but um, yeah, then we were just kind of sitting there, and I just got this like vibe, like, and I I remember that. I don't I don't even know like how to describe it, but it was just like a bone chilling, and I'm not that kind of way. Like I don't usually get like that, but I was like in my head I was thinking we're getting murdered. I'm not the person that they're going to read the story about that had the feeling that didn't leave. Like, <laughs> I know. I just told Jesse, I'm like, we got to go now. We, I know. We have to leave. I remember that. And, it and was you're like, like, what? And you're kind of like, what? Why? I'm like, mm, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it or even why, but I was are... like, we just have to go <laughs> now. And then I... we did. Mm-hmm. And we lived. And we, and that's why... Lord only knows what would what happen happened. if we stay there. But I've never... Like, that was truly, like, just a bone chill. And it was not a spooky situation. It wasn't like well, it was a... getting dark in the Badlands. Sort of. But, but I mean, we've like, been we in were the Badlands in, in the dark. building. Like, I mean, it was an open-air building thing. But, it was like, it was not... Well, we weren't out in the been. woods in the middle of nowhere. You had to trust your gut, man. Could have been a mountain lion. I don't know. Could have been a, a murderer. It's why my people are still alive today, because we trust those feelings. <laughs> That's right. You get out of there. It's like, no, nope, you're out. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm gone. And I left. Did you feel that way when you saw the goat man? Did you no, see the goat I man? No, I went to go try to find him. Did you see the goat man? Yes. And I can't remember who it was me and, and Ross. Maybe it was like two people. And we came Tell the people the, the legend of the goat man and where it is. The Lost Bridge. The Lost Bridge on Highway 22. On Highway 22 goes, it's not in the National Park, but it's... The Lost still. Bridge is the bridge that crosses the Little Missouri River. In... Like, by us, kind of. Yeah, it's only like five miles away from us. So there was a legend before you saw the goat man that there was a goat man. Did my dad see the goat man? Yes. And I don't know... In a different era? Yes, in like 70s or whatever, a long time ago. But yeah, we... So we... And none of us really knew the story, just that there was Mm -hmm. a story of the goat man. So I still don't really even know the story or anything. But we saw this guy... I'm trying to think because it gets a little get goobered in my head. It was in the middle of the night. Like, it was late. We were, I don't know where we were coming from or going to, but we were crossing that bridge, and it was late, dark. And we saw a guy in a trench coat on the side of the road. There's so many weird things and we that were like, in that And we were going to stop, and there was something else creepy. But like, something didn't look right, but, like, we, you know, we were a bunch of teenage boys and what could possibly happen to us type of a thing. Mm-hmm. So we stopped, and we were going to go find him, and we went back to where he was, and we couldn't find anything anywhere except his hoof prints on the side of the road. In, did you see his legs? That's the part I'm thinking <laughs> Like, sometimes I think I did, and sometimes, like, there was, like I said, there was a guy in a trench. Something was That's weird, weird about anyway. it. Something was weird about this guy. Because there's no town. There's not a town there's within. Nothing. There's nothing There's there. not a place there's one little house i don't know if it was there then like there's nothing but down we there came up and it wasn't like 30 miles it wasn't like deer tracks where it's like you can tell deer yeah. tracks it was like somebody walked and up on and like two lakes milled around on two just two well i mean you can't count hoof prints exactly <laughs> but i mean well, i suppose it you wasn't can't. a deer but you didn't see footprints hoof prints because goat man as bottom half of a goat. Yeah, I understand that. I'm just confirming. You did, never saw any footprints, just hoof uh, prints. People prints. No. Uh-uh. See, and that's the thing. Because I was asking my little sister if she had any, like, 
encounter stories or things like spooky stories and her and I are the same. Like, even if we saw something scary, we would just deny, deny, deny it and put it out of our memory because we can't handle that stuff. <laughs> like, nope, didn't see it. Nope, didn't. Like when you saw a mountain lion, you convinced yourself it was, it was a, coyote. a coyote. Oh. I'm like, that it was not a coyote. No. Well, I convinced myself semi that it was a coyote, but I ran my little tush around and back home as fast as I could because that freaked me it's out. Like when, it's like when you see a wolf. Or a coyote, and people are like, I'm not sure if it was a wolf or a coyote. You know, like, that it was a coyote. The way because it, a wolf is huge. a wolf, and you don't. And a coyote does that. not walk like a cat. Right, and, and a coyote doesn't weigh a hundred pounds yeah. or a hundred and fifty pounds. Yeah. Well, I, goat man. Yeah, you scissor walked it pretty quick out of there, though. And then I had to go around because so I had chugged. And then your dad, I can't remember his goat man story, but he's got a goat man story that's similar. I think he saw. I should text him if he has a goat man story. Well, why don't you just get him on here and then he can tell it. Well. But you better block off three hours <laughs> once you get him started. He's sometimes, I when I travel with him, and we travel a lot, especially this summer, I wish I had a. And I'm gonna have to get something so I can just record him. When I wish he gets I did rolling. too because he tells like he has a lot of history that comes down. <gasps> Here they come. And I don't. We made it one hour and five minutes. Listen, come here. What are you gonna be for Halloween? Oh yeah. Come here and tell me in the microphone. What do you want to be for Halloween? I kind of want to be a pumpkin. A pumpkin? <laughs> <laughs> what do you want to be, Rosie? Tooth fairy. The tooth, tooth fairy? fairy? Oh, okay. News to me. Like a scary fairy? No, tooth fairy. <laughs> I thought the tooth fairy was scary. Okay, <laughs> Okay. Well, we'll leave you all with a goat. With a goat story. Spooky goat story. and. It was much spookier than the way I told it. I'm not a storyteller. Random dentures. Also, a note: don't go poking around in old houses without, a, like, permission from the landowner. <laughs> yeah. That's just a tip. Or a tetanus shot. Also that. Yeah. Okay. Those <laughs> we always have to leave the people with a little advice. I, I feel like you think you think that. We, think if you're listening to us for advice. <laughs> Or history. You might want to rethink your situation. Also, fact check every single thing that we said because there's a solid possibility that... None of it's right. That it's not wholly right. It's partially right. All of it is partially right, for sure. Listen, the amount of effort I do to research and prepare for this podcast is I wrote my column, maybe I remembered to write it. I sat down. You poured a drink and sat down. So anything can happen. Well, thanks. I'm so glad it's 7.30 it's time for bed. We're done with this. I think we're winning life today, maybe. We are. We'll, we'll see what happens tomorrow. Okay. Bye. Love you. Bye. Okay. Bye. Love you. Bye. It's a gloomy day. The rain is falling. The sky is gray, and the trees are stripped from black branches. It's Halloween season, and all of a sudden I'm reminded of the old house that used to sit up in a grove of trees behind the yard where I grew up. It's not so uncommon around here for a family to purchase land from neighbors or inherit an old family homestead, so there aren't many farmsteads around these parts that didn't come with an old structure lingering on the property, providing ranch kids with plenty of bedtime ghost story material. 
And so it went with the old house that stood tucked back on the other side of the barbed wire fence against a slope of a hill, surrounded by oak trees and the remnants of Mrs. B's famous garden, her hardy lilac bushes, her grove of apple trees, her wild asparagus and rhubarb still thrive in the clearing she made in those trees all those mysterious years ago before the family up and left, leaving that garden untended, the root cellar full, and a house seemingly frozen in time. What happened to them? I would contemplate with my cousins, one of our favorite subjects as our eyes grew heavy, tucked in bunk beds and sleeping bags scattered on the floor, together growing up, together trying to figure out what the passing of time really means and how a story could be left so undone. Grandma took some old dresses, vintage black smocks with pearl buttons and lace collars from the small bedroom closet of the old house. We would pull them over our heads to perform pretend wedding ceremonies or attend fancy parties like we saw in our mother's soap operas, the fabric smelling like mothballs, dust, and old forgotten things. But no matter what character you were that day, you couldn't help but think about who the real woman in this dress once was and who would leave them behind. And so as it goes with kids, our curiosity outweighed our fear and we went on a mission to collect samples of this family's life that still existed between those walls. And while I remember kitchen utensils hanging neatly on hooks, canned beets and potatoes lined up on the shelves, the table and chairs sitting in the sunlight against the window, waiting for a neighbor to stop over for coffee, I also remember bedrooms scattered with old newspapers and magazines, the dates revealing the last years of occupancy, the fashion of the season, stories of drought and cattle prices sprawled out among diary entries and old letters, a glimpse into a world that existed long before us kids sifting through the rubble in tennis shoes and neon laces. And then I remember the dentures. Or maybe I just remember the story my oldest cousin told about the dentures. It doesn't matter now who was actually there to witness it. It evolved to belong to everyone. An expedition to the old house, a creak of a cupboard door, and the discovery of a jar full of teeth that nobody noticed before. This place is haunted. That was the consensus, especially when, at the next visit, the unwelcome house guests were greeted at the door by a flurry of bats, or more likely a bat or two. Yes, the spirits of that mysterious couple came back to the place. How else could you explain the thriving asparagus plants, the tea? And so that was our story of the old house, a strangely fantastic pillar of our childhood adventures and a structure that had to eventually be burned down due to its disintegrating floor joists and general unsafe environment. I stood in my snowsuit and beanie and watched the flames engulf the graying wood and shoot up over the tops of the black oak trees and wondered how it all eventually came down to this. A life turned into old forgotten things, turned into ashes, turned into stories. Maybe that's the scariest tale of them all. But each fall the apples in the old woman's orchard ripen, each spring her lilacs bloom, and each year their names come to our lips because of what they left behind, making me wonder if we were right about the haunting thing after all. Thank you for listening to this week's Stories from the Ranch. If you want more content, you can follow me on Instagram at jessevieter or Facebook at Vieter Ranch. If you want more information about my music, you want to download it or hear more, you can find that at jessevietermusic.com or anywhere where you listen to music. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.